0: Taiwan People's Party presidential candidate Ko Wen-je will meet with KMT Chairman Eric Chu at the mayor's residence art salon in Taipei Monday morning to discuss the possibility of collaboration between the two opposition parties ahead of the presidential and legislative polls on January 13th. The pair plan to tackle issues such as ways to establish a coalition government, ways to maximize their numbers of lawmakers in the legislature, and how to select the strongest opposition presidential candidate. They are expected to hold closed-door talks for about an hour before holding a joint press conference. The BPP's presidential candidate Vice President Lai Qingde, has been the front-runner, according to all major polls. Meanwhile, Vice President Lai Qingde was in Xinju, stumping for DPP Legislative Candidate Zeng kai commenting on the news report that the TPP is planning to add a Taiwanese who used to be a PRC cadre as its candidate for legislator at large. Lai urged voters not to let the KMT and TPP have a majority in Taiwan's legislature. He warned that such a situation could endanger Taiwan's national security.
1: The DPP's presidential candidate, Lai Ching-te greets supporters in Hakka dialect to bring them closer to him. On Sunday, Lai campaigned in Xinju, and his first stop was inaugurating a campaign support team for DPP legislative candidate, Zheng kai
2: 운동. In the future, if Professor Zeng Shengkai gets elected, he will help us promote things like the building of a performance centre focused on Hakka culture in Zhudong. I also ask all of you to support me, Lai Chingda.
1: Recently, the TPP has indicated it intends to include Xu Chunying, a Taiwanese who is a former PRC cadre, on its party list of legislators. Lai took the opportunity to warn that if the China-friendly TPP and KMT won a majority in the upcoming legislative election, it could put Taiwan in danger.
2: If Xu Chunying is allowed to enter the legislature today and cooperates with the KMT's Ma Wenjun, then this will endanger Taiwan's national security. If the KMT and DPP won a legislative majority, then I can guarantee that our defenses will be let down. We deeply regret that cooperation between the KMT and TPP actually starts from undermining national security.
1: The KMT's presidential candidate, Ho Yi, has criticised Lai for allegedly advocating Taiwan's independence and for describing himself as a pragmatic worker for that purpose. Lai took the opportunity to remind his opponents that campaigning involving criticisms and personal attacks would not be of aid to the election.
2: In the past, Whenever people asked him questions, he would only talk about the good job he was doing. Now, whenever the media asks him anything, he will certainly criticize me. I would like to remind Mayor Hoyoi that these criticisms and attacks will not help his election chances at all. I hope that he can up his game."
1: With his kind reminder that his opponents needed to work harder, Lai also called on the crowd to pay attention to cooperation between the TPP and KMT and be wary of Chinese meddling in the election.
2: If you are to ask a magic mirror who wants TPP-KMT cooperation the most, the answer must be China's CCP, because the CCP hopes to foster a China-friendly government in Taiwan. In this way, the price it pays for annexing Taiwan, comparatively speaking, will be much less.
1: As the legislative and presidential poll on January 13th draws closer, the DPP is warning the public to be alert to Chinese interference.
0: Open House Taipei is an annual event that allows visitors to tour architectural gyms or other spaces that are usually closed to the public. The 2023 Open House Taipei will be held in November Visitors will be able to tour 103 places in the capital. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang gives us a sneak peek.
3: We're currently at Nova Design. It is one of Taiwan's oldest industrial design companies. During open house Taipei, visitors can learn how a motorcycle is made open house taipei will kick off again on november 11th visitors can visit architectural spaces across taipei that are usually closed to the public one place that will be open to the public is nova design the company specializes in consumer products and motor vehicle design during the open house period Visitors will be able to visit the headquarters of Nova Design, which is a green building, to learn about the building's design and the product design process.
4: The journey from initial design drafts to mass production, I'm guessing many people are unfamiliar with it. Through Open House Taipei, we want to shed light on the process, from the initial settings to the designer drafts all the way to mass production.
3: The 2023 Open House Taipei will be held November 11th and 12th. The theme of this year's Open House Taipei is sustainability and dialogue. The public is invited to visit 103 spaces in Taipei that are usually closed to the public or are difficult to access. Some locations on the list include the Taipei MRT Control Center, the National Center of Photography and Images Rooftop. In the Fengjia Museum's warehouse,
5: some of the highlights are the Zhitan water purification plant. Uh, it will supply all the all the uh, uh, all the water for, for the city, <laughs> and the, uh, in the in the re, re, uh, river area, uh, we opened the Fengjia Museum. Uh, Fengjia Art Museum has the largest collection, private collection of Hunan embroidery. embroidery. So it's a, a very special private uh, art collection. And it's uh, their first time to open to, to the public. It's that we opened the uh, uh, Taipei MRT, the, the, their operation control, control center. Because uh, MRT is, the, uh, is crucial for Taipei citizens, for their everyday traffic.
3: The first open house began in London in 1992. Taiwan held an open house for the first time in 2020, with nearly 30-thousand people participating. This is the fourth edition of Open House Taipei.
5: Both mentioned spaces, most of them are new. And uh, how they are uh, related to sustainability issues is, is that uh, uh, we hope people to uh, have more dialogue with the uh, ecology of the city. So we mentioned about water, about mountain, about the uh, microclimate of, of the city. And secondly, uh, is uh, city is for us to live in. So we opened the social house, so and uh, the public art around the social social housing projects. Seventy percent of the spaces. Uh, we have to register first uh, uh, b- before the open day. The open day will be uh, November uh,
3: 11th." Organizers hope to encourage people to learn about the relationships between architecture, cities and landscapes... and to contribute to making Taipei a more sustainable city. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and zhen senator in Taipei. Today we put the spotlight on chocolate products and
0: how they're made. Climate change has taken a toll on global cocoa bean production. But demand for chocolate products is as high as ever. How will sweets manufacturers survive? We visited a cake producer to see how they produce their chocolate desserts. Demand is so high that their factory works around the clock in peak seasons, producing 24,000 cakes every day.
6: A soft and springy Swiss roll, a chocolate Miofe oozing with syrup. But let's rewind a moment from the finished product to see how these delectable desserts are made.
0: Lights
6: Cocoa beans are poured into the food mixer and, and heated up to 50 degrees. As they're processed, the layers of cake are also on the production line. The layers are baked at 75 degrees three ovens produce 16,000 layers a day. The chocolate market is hotting up, and in peak sales periods, the factory works all day and night with three shifts, producing 24,000
5: boxes a day.
4: The hardest thing is dividing 24 hours into three shifts. Basically, we divide it in three to allow the workers to rest but keep the machines running continuously 24-7. Okay.
6: This machine is constantly spreading rich chocolate cream onto the cakes. Each cake has 14 layers of dough and 13 even layers of cream filling. It's sent into the ultrasound machine to be sliced methodically. Then it's packaged and off to the retailer to be sold. But climate change has seen global cocoa production take a dive. And that means food manufacturers and retailers are introducing cocoa source tracing projects in the hope of securing cocoa for decades to come.
4: In Taiwan, people really care about food safety and about where their food is coming from. Even if they're eating chocolate or lower-priced desserts, they want to know they're getting great management.
6: Climate change has dealt a huge blow to cocoa production, but demand for chocolate products just keeps growing. The Taiwanese baked chocolate goods market was worth 300 million NT last year alone. Manufacturers are taking steps at many stages of production, from the fields to the factories, to try to ensure a secure supply of cocoa for the future.
0: There are now over 160-thousand stray dogs and cats in Taiwan, and they are a growing threat to wild animals, which are frequently attacked and killed by strays. Over the weekend, university students from across Taiwan marched around the legislature in Taipei, urging the government and the public to take action. More than 4-thousand people participated in the march
2: wild animals attacked by dogs and cats are unlikely to be found by people because they're usually killed somewhere in the forest or away from the roadways we call on the government to do more to better manage stray dogs and cats we also must take effective measures to reduce the number of strays in the wild
0: Demonstrators hope the government can do more to keep strays from hurting wildlife to better protect the ecology and stray dogs. Other than wild animals, invasive fish are a growing problem across Taiwan, as people who like to rid their home aquariums of imported fish will often release the fish into public lakes. Officials in Taipei are tackling the issue by releasing indigenous fish, which they hope will restore ecological balance. Clams, which can offer protection to fish eggs before they hatch, are also being released. Members of the public who took part in the release of fish and clams have responded positively to the efforts. Let's hear what they have to say. <laughs>
2: A family releases fry from a plastic bag into the lake at Bihu Park. They are here as part of efforts to revive indigenous fish populations in the lake. (laughs) Others are releasing clams, which will contribute to the lake's ecosystem and help fish survive.
1: (laughs) We first open the plastic bags and put in water from the lake. Then we release the fish that were in the bags directly into the lake. I think it's great. I hadn't done this before and when I heard about it, I thought it sounded interesting. The organiser only went ahead after he confirmed there would be no problems. The whole thing was rigorously planned.
2: The group is releasing rosy bitterling and Tanakia hemantagis, which are both indigenous species.
1: We wanted to ensure that the species we release do not contaminate the gene pool in the lake's ecosystem, so we took the time to confirm that these are not invasive fish. These two species lay their eggs in the shells of clams, which offer protection. In return, the clams borrow the help of the fish after they hatch by attaching their larvae to the hatchlings' bodies. Our main purpose is to grow the populations of species indigenous to Taiwan, while also making the lake's ecosystems more diverse. We hope these species will propagate.
2: With lakes in Taipei struggling with growing numbers of invasive fish, city officials hope to restore balance to ecosystems, by introducing more indigenous fish back into the lakes.
0: Today we take you to meet Alex Ni, nee, an award-winning music producer, songwriter and singer. The Taiwanese-American grew up in the U.S. and moved to Taiwan 20 years ago. Since then, he's written and produced songs for renowned artists such as Zhou Lin Tsai and Elva Shell. Our very own Stephanie Yang spoke to Ni nee to find out more about his journey in the music industry.
3: From songwriting to arranging, mixing, mastering and vocal production, Alex Nee does it all. Nee was born in Seattle, Washington. His interest in music started early, when he took violin and piano lessons as a child. But Nee's true passion lay in rap and hip-hop music. 20 years ago, after graduating from the University of Washington with a degree in visual arts, he moved to Taiwan, determined to break into the music industry.
7: I saved some money and got my first like, digital keyboard synthesizer. And back then, there wasn't the, uh, there wasn't the internet, so everything was trial and error. And uh, I had to figure out, I didn't even know how to like, Sound come out from my keyboard and record it into the computer. There wasn't like a tutorial that I could just look up. I had to just figure out everything on my own. But uh, fast forward a couple years, I had a little demo that I put on a CD. Back then we had CDs, (laughs) and uh, you know I had like ten songs. It was really amateur. But uh, one summer I came to Taiwan to visit family. I started giving it out to my friends and letting them hear it, and then. One thing led to another, and uh, I was introduced to a manager and then a producer uh, named Jim Lee back then, and that's that's how it got started."
3: He initially wanted to work in hip-hop and rap, but he was forced to write ballad-style music because that's what was popular in Taiwan. It wasn't until he built his career that he could produce the music he wanted.
7: "...I definitely did not want to write ballads, so I wanted to write hip-hop in the beginning, but moving to Taiwan, like, that wasn't gonna happen, right? Just being so narrow-minded about only wanting to do hip-hop or rap. And I had to... it was that was the challenge at first, to kind of expand my taste a little bit and start to absorb, like, the ballads and the boy bands and the hairstyles and the the choreography type thing and yeah so eventually I started blending like what we call mando pop with the stuff that I originally liked so that would be like hip-hop and more and more by then it was like more and more like uh, EDM as well yeah so eventually that became kind of like my I guess you could call it my signature sound."
3: Ni's big break came in 2006. He wrote three songs for Elva Shao's album, including Confession. His EDM style began to receive acclaim, further establishing him as one of the top producers of hip-hop and electronic dance music in the Chinese music industry.
7: "...By then I had sold like maybe 20 songs, but that was the first time I got to produce. Um, I was featured on the song. and. It's the first time I wrote Chinese lyrics. Musically, I was really into... uh, I thought Gwen Stefani at the time was a good fit for where Elva could go with her style. And so I just used some influences from that and put the two together, came up with my own melody."
3: In 2014, Ni composed and co-arranged Jolin Tsai's play. The song won multiple awards.
7: "...That was another milestone where Again, I didn't know that it would be that big. I mean, it was my first time working with with Joel Lynn. But once the video came out, I I was like, wow, like this is that's where I felt like it was going to be big because she again, you could see the whole full force of, you know, Joe Lynn's like her vision for the song and the you know, the 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 budget they had for the the, the all the marketing and the visuals and, and everything like that and it became the concept for the whole album as well. So um, yeah, that song got nominated for a lot of awards. That was my first time getting nominated for Golden Melody as well."
3: Besides collaborating with Taiwanese stars, Ni has also worked with Korean artists such as G-Friends and NCT. Ni has some advice for aspiring music producers and
7: artists. "...it's good to know what the trends are. But it's not good to just follow the trends. Because I think, in my opinion, it's really really important to uh, figure out what's, what's different about you and to be unique in this industry.
3: He hopes to continue to produce and write music for more artists, both in Taiwan and internationally. He's also on the lookout to discover the next Elva or Jolin. TV reporter Stephanie Yang and Tan Hao in Taipei.
0: Turning now to the weather. As the northeast monsoon came into full force, the windward side of northern and eastern Taiwan have seen temperature drops with bursts of rainy weather. The lowest temperature recorded in the early hours of Sunday at 18 degrees was in Maoli. The cool weather will continue until Tuesday with large temperature differences between Taiwan's north and south. In the south, the highs in the plains could still be as high as 30 degrees. When the northeast monsoon tapers off on Wednesday, the weather will become stable and warm island-wide. High temperatures in the north could also soar to 30 degrees. Let's hear from a meteorologist.
1: We can see that if we look at Taiwan's surroundings, there are more clouds over Taiwan's northern and eastern half. In these places there is also some rain. The main reason is that today there have been gusts of northeast monsoonal winds. The weather in the central and southern regions is stable, however in mountainous regions in the south there will be brief showers. The northeast monsoonal winds are expected to continue till October 31. On Wednesday after the northeast monsoonal winds weaken, we will see that temperatures in the north and east will rebound significantly. After Thursday, temperatures in the north could rebound to higher temperatures of around 30 degrees. However, it will feel a little cooler in the mornings.
0: Moisture in the air will gradually decrease on Monday and Tuesday, but there are still some chances of heavy rains. Starting Wednesday, there will be warm weather once again, which will continue until Saturday. But the cooler weather is set to come back, with another wave of the northeast monsoon arriving over the weekend.